For several years, the Version Bible app has released its most often bookmarked, shared, highlighted verse from the previous year. In 2021, the nation's most popular verse was Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. You should know that one by heart. Say it with me. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you haven't hid that word in your heart, I encourage you to do so. In several Latin American countries, Isaiah 41, verse 10 was last year's most popular verse. So do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In Singapore and the Netherlands, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, led searches and shares in those two nations. In South Korea, Proverbs 16, 9 led the way. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Well, Version founder Bobby Gruenwald said his team is encouraged to see such high levels of Bible engagement after a record-breaking 2020. He says it means people are turning to God and to the Bible for answers to their questions. The most popular verse of last year, Matthew 6.33, is a great challenge to us this morning, a great reminder of, uh, of what God wants us to do, a reminder to know God better in 2022. It helps set direction for our lives. It helps set direction for our year. And it's an easy verse to memorize. So I hope you will do so if you have not done so. So let's, let's dig into that verse today and see what God has for us in the way of truth, in the way of a reminder, in the way of uh, helping us set direction in our lives for this new year. What does God want you to understand about this verse? And what one single truth does God have to say to you this morning through this verse? As we think about our lives, as we think about this year, as we try to seek Him, as we try to seek His will, as we try to seek His way. Well, in order to understand 33, you have to read 25 through 34, which Isabella did for us earlier. So have your Bibles open. We're going to be looking at this passage. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit. First of all... Review the context as you look at 19 through 25. Now remember, Matthew 5 through 7 is what? It's the Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus presents how to live as a kingdom citizen. How to live the Christian life that reflects that you are a kingdom citizen. He constantly reminds us that though we live in this world, we are not true citizens of this world. Our real home is heaven if we're a follower of Christ. We're here on a temporary assignment. As long as we're in this world, we are commanded to be on mission for God in this world, but we're heading all of this, this, whatever time God gives us on this side of eternity, we're always heading towards our real home. Our real home, our forever home, of course, is heaven. In verse 25, Jesus confronts worry, and he calls people out for a lack of faith. Worry always reveals a lack of trust and a lack of faith, because if we're worrying, we're not trusting. The two cannot coexist. Jesus knows we're worriers. So he commands us, do not worry about your life, meaning stop doing something that you are in the process of doing all the time. Stop worrying. Stop being a worrier. If we fail to obey any one of God's commands, 
then that failure to obey is sin. And God commands us in this passage to stop our worrying. Now let's take a moment to read the previous section, beginning in verse 19. We'll see where Jesus is coming from here. He says, do not lay up, from Matthew 6, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, we should not have an earthly perspective. We should have an eternal perspective. In heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, in light of the fact that you cannot serve two masters, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Well, Jesus uh, says we cannot serve both God and the world. How many times do we find ourselves with one foot in heaven and one foot on this earth? with one eye on our material possessions and one eye on, on laying up treasures in heaven. A kingdom citizen cannot have a divided loyalty or a divided focus. We cannot put one eye in heaven and one eye on our worldly things. To attempt to do so splits our focus and takes our eyes off of the Lord, takes our eyes off of our focus off of God. So this is a powerful reminder to us who are are living in this world trying to, to represent God in this world as a kingdom citizen, knowing that our real home is in heaven. And in this powerful sermon about how to live as a kingdom citizen, Jesus presents three impactful truths that set up and shape our most popular verse of the year. First of all, we do not have to fear the future. In our American lifestyle, most of us don't have to worry about what we will wear or what we will eat. Now, we may spend some mental energy on deciding which restaurant we're going to after church because we have so many choices, but we know that we can eat. We don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from. We don't have to worry about what we're going to wear. We're so spoiled, we go to a closet full of clothes and half of which we hadn't worn in two or three years and they're still sitting in there and we're trying to, we sit there and scratch our heads and say, what am I going to wear today? And we have so many choices. Our worry list has more to do with, with health concerns or terrorist attacks or the future of our country or the state of our economy. Someone posted on Facebook recently, I woke up. I'm not sick. I have clothes to wear. I have running water. I have food to eat. Life is good. I'm thankful to God. Let's recall what worry is. Worry is the continual fear that the worst case scenario is going to happen. The continual fear that the worst case scenario is going to happen. Don Stewart defined worry as the emotional or mental activity of dealing with things or events over which we have little or no control. 
We split our focus. We, we divide our, our mental energy. We, we dilute our... We, we undermine our faith by worrying about things, by trying to control things that we have absolutely no control of. Only God, our sovereign Heavenly Father, who is still on His throne, can control these things that we try to control. Do you live, do you live in fear of the future? Why? Well, second, we have a loving Heavenly Father who knows and provides for our needs. Jesus says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. Look at this illustration, He tells His listeners. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Why do you, verse 28, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. For they neither toil nor do they spin. Jesus says, don't fear and worry because you're worth more than all of these sparrows. You're worth more to the Heavenly Father than, than, than all of these, all these lilies of the field. Then Jesus says, even Solomon in all his glory looked like a hobo compared to these beautiful flowers. If God will meet their needs and take care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, will He not also meet our needs? Jesus reminds us that worrying about material provision is totally unnecessary because God is generous in His nature. Because God is good in His nature. God is able. God is faithful to meet our earthly needs. He loves us. And because He loves us, He's going to provide for us. He is a God of faithfulness who, who always does what He says He's going to do. Well, there's a third truth here that sets up our, our most popular verse of the year. Third, we gain nothing beneficial from worry. Look at verse 27. Which of you by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue. In other words, he's saying, how does worry enhance your life? How does worry benefit your quality of living? How does worry add joy to your life? It doesn't. Worry hurts our health. Worry robs our sleep. Worry steals our joy. Worry divides our focus. Not one good thing comes out of constant, continuous worry. Amen. That's why Jesus strongly commands, stop doing what you're doing in the area of worry. Stop this worrying. Stop it. Now think about your worry list. What were the top five things on your worry list this past week? Think about those things for just a moment. Is there anything on your list that God is not able to handle? Have you trusted Him with it? Will you trust Him with it? Will you give it to Him this morning? Second, looking at verse 33, recognize the command, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Listen, the word seek is a command. It's a present active imperative. It is not a suggestion. It is not an option. It's a present tense command, meaning continuous action. Literally, go on seeking continuously. 
The word seek means to attempt to learn something by careful investigation or searching. The, the word refers to a single-minded focus. Now note three big ideas that we should be emphasizing as we think about this command. First of all, Jesus emphasized first. But seek first. Seek first. Our principal pursuit, our highest endeavor, our paramount activity, our greatest, uppermost, preeminent, major desire in life is to seek what? Hold that thought for just a moment. Back before Christmas, I was surfing, the channel surfing for whatever reason. I came across the 1991 Western comedy City Slickers on TV. It's been years since I sat there and watched City Slickers. And so I, uh, I sat there and watched it and, and uh, had to have some funny moments. But one of the best well-known scenes is when Billy Crystal's character, Mitch, and Jack Palance's character, Curly, are riding along on horseback and they're talking about life. And Palance asked Crystal, you know what the secret of life is? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean nothing. And he rides off and Crystal calls out, that's great, but what's the one thing? Palance turns and says, that's what you've got to figure out. Jesus gives us the answer to our one thing. Second, Jesus lays out our number one priority. Seek first the kingdom. Now, in its basic sense, Jesus is talking about the rule and reign of God in this world. But here he's talking about our lives. The rule and reign of God in our life. God's rule in our lives, meaning we allow him to rule every area of our life. Our desire above all desires, first and foremost, is submit to God as, as ruler. Have we truly, fully, completely done that? Are we seeking the kingdom as we seek God? Now, technically, in, in, in many of you know, the best manuscripts, the phrase of God is not there. For example, if you were using the New International Version this morning, your, your version reads, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Because God is God, and He is sovereign, and He knows what's best for our lives, God calls us to put His rule and His reign first and preeminent in our life. That's why He taught us to pray what He taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, in the model prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That reminds us, if we follow this model in prayer, that, that life does not revolve around us. It's not about us. It's all about Him. We have to remind ourselves of that from time to time. We're not praying our agenda, though we do bring requests before God. God commands us to ask and to seek and to knock and to let our requests be made known to Him. But we're not praying ultimately about our agenda. We're praying and seeking God's agenda. Seeking first the kingdom means that we are centering our lives totally around God. There was a time growing up in which I was very interested in astronomy. I, I knew the constellations. I had my little chart. I'd go outside and, and look. And uh, this was about the time that the space program was really developing and taking off. I, I, I had, as an aspiration, one day I wanted to, to be an astronaut. I wanted to go to the moon and, and, um, and, and be among the the. Uh, the folks trying to, to get to the moon by uh, the end of the decade. Of course, I was too young for that at that time, but, 
But uh, one of the interesting things I, I, I remember reading about was for 2,000 years, astronomers thought the sun orbited around the earth and that the earth was the center of the universe. The greatest minds of the day, people like Aristotle and, and Ptolemy, promoted that theory and taught that theory. Then in the 16th century, Nikolai Copernicus came along with a radical new theory that the sun was the center of the universe and that the earth and the other planets orbited around the sun. He was ostracized by the scientific community for thinking this and promoting this and teaching this. But ultimately, he was right. Now let's ask ourselves, who is the center of our universe? Are we the center of our universe and we expect everything to, to orbit around us? Or is God and His will and His way the center of our universe? Third, Jesus commands a, a dual priority. He commands a dual priority. Seek His righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteous, righteousness. These are, these are simultaneous, parallel objectives. Righteousness refers to how we kingdom citizens are living out our lives. We pursue righteousness in full submission to the will of God as laid out in, in the sermon that Jesus preached that's recorded in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Righteousness reflects kingdom living. Now note how this command, if you think about the Sermon on the Mount, if you're familiar with it, 633 is tied to Matthew 5, 6. You remember what Matthew 5, 6 is in the middle of the Beatitudes? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we're told to seek first and foremost and primarily the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But then Jesus has already said, blessed are those, happy are those, most fulfilled are those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They hunger and thirst for everything about God. When, when we're hungry and thirsting for righteousness, we'll make a priority of seeking first the kingdom, first and foremost, of seeking God first and foremost. Seeking His kingdom starts with seeking God Himself. So we'll get to know Him better and therefore we'll, we'll uh, understand how to live for Him. Throughout Scripture, we are commanded to seek God. Let me give you a few examples. First of all, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 reads, You will seek me and find me when what? When you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Then Deuteronomy 4, 29 but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find Him if you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul. And then Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Then Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. God's not hiding from us, folks. If we will diligently seek Him, He promises we will find Him. We will commune with Him. We'll have fellowship with Him. 
When we seek God, we are also seeking His righteousness. So this is a valid question. If we are maturing in the Lord, if we are seeking God, what, what does a maturing kingdom citizen seeking His righteous look like, righteousness look like? Well, Jesus gives us a snapshot in this message. And this is where you need to have your Bibles open because we're going to be scanning starting in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 7 because He gives us a snapshot of what kingdom living looks like. Those living as kingdom citizens will exemplify the qualities and the characteristics found in the Beatitudes. What does he say in chapter 5, verse 3? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, so they, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. They also understand their role as, as salt and light, and they let their light so shine before men. Chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 of Matthew chapter 5. They possess and display godly characteristics as opposed to the play-acting hypocrisy displayed by the Pharisees. Chapter 5, verses 20 and, and following. Kingdom citizens, those who are maturing in the Lord, take initiative, the initiative in reconciliation and will not allow anger to, dang, dang, uh, to uh, damage their relationship with others. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23, 24, and 25. Kingdom citizens practice sexual purity. Chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. They honor marriage and take oaths seriously. Chapter 5, verses 31 through 37. They go the second mile and go over and above and beyond the world's expectations in how they treat their enemies. Chapter 5, verses 41 and following. They humbly give to people in poverty. Chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. They will not pray like hypocrites, nor live like hypocrites. Chapter 6. They can pray our Father because they are followers of Christ. And their prayer focus is more about God and others than themselves. Chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Kingdom citizens are learning how to forgive and move beyond bitterness. Chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. They practice biblical fasting. Chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. They will lay up treasures in heaven rather than focusing on treasures on earth. Chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. They realize they cannot serve two masters. Chapter 5, verse 24. We'll never be effective if we attempt to split our loyalty between God and the entire worldly system of materialism, neither God nor the worldly system will settle for a compromise. It's all or nothing. They live as people of faith instead of people of worry. Chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Again, when we fill our lives with worry, we look more like the lost world, Jesus says, 
than kingdom citizens following and trusting God. Because once again, it's already stated, worry always undermines our faith. Always. Herschel Hobbes put it this way, to center values in himself is to serve mammon. To evaluate life in terms of heaven is to serve God. Kingdom citizens live as people of faith instead of people of worry. They also are careful with judgment. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. They treat people the way they want to be treated. Chapter 7, verse 12. They are concerned about pleasing God with their fruit and their fruitfulness. Chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. And they build their lives on obedience to to Jesus' sayings. Chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. You remember the uh, conclusion of this Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them... I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The rock is the word of God. The rock is the way of God. The rock is the will of God, as Jesus laid out in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 about how to live as a kingdom citizen. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Listen, building your life and following these teachings gives a solid foundation that holds up. When the rains fall, when the flood waters rise, when the winds start beating and battering our life, What is your foundation this morning? Are you building your life on the solid rock of obedience to to God and to His will rather than the worldly wisdom and priorities that are thrown at, at us these days by our society, by our culture? Third, remember God's promise. Remember God's promise. What is the second part of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? In all these things shall be added to you. If you seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, then Jesus has already said all throughout Matthew chapter 6 that that God's going to supply our needs. God's going to take care of our needs. God knows our needs. God's going to take care of our daily needs. When we live with this commitment and this holy pursuit of seeking the kingdom and His righteousness, then God promises to provide everything we need. Our Heavenly Father demonstrates His faithfulness once again by His concern for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Our problem is we're not satisfied with what we have. Our problem is not our needs, it's our our greeds. Our list of greeds. We need to be thankful that God has blessed us with meeting our our needs and giving us our, our daily bread. What did Jesus tell us to pray for? He did tell us to pray for ourselves in this prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need for today. Psalm 34, verse 10, the second part reads, Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Paul put it this way, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Take a moment to sincerely think about how blessed you are. 
and how the needs in your life are being met. And if you haven't been thankful lately, then confess that and ask God's forgiveness. But take a moment to thank God for the way He's blessing your life. How has God provided for your needs? How has God taken care of your concerns? How has God spoken to you about the worries in your life and giving them unto Him? Often, at the beginning of a new year, people choose a word of the year. I've been preaching on the verse of the year from 2021. What about a a word of the year that helps them fine-tune their focus and set direction? Pastor Bryant Wright shared earlier this month that this year he had chosen six words to guide his life this year. Found in Matthew, or based rather on Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Lose my life for his sake. Lose my life for his sake. He says in marriage... Lose my life for His sake. In parenting, lose my life for His sake. In grandparenting, lose my life for His sake. In all social interactions and relationships, lose my life for His sake. At work, lose my life for His sake. Facing temptation, lose my life for His sake. That's another way of saying... It's not about me. It's all about Him. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all of these things shall be given to you as well. What should be our words? Well, I propose eight words. Seek first His kingdom. It's not about me. Seek first His kingdom... It's not about me. What specific way has God spoken to your heart this morning about the priorities in your life? And about what you're most seeking, where you're most placing your energy and your attention? Can you say, honestly, it's all about Him? It's not about me? What commitment will you make to God this morning that will help you seek first His kingdom in His righteousness. What, what, is, what is it that is keeping you from being totally sold out and totally committed to God? The first step, of course, is making that life commitment to God by receiving the free gift of eternal life, receiving His, His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you made that decision? Let me ask you this blunt question. If you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? The Bible has an answer to that question. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. He is the way to heaven. And we must have a personal relationship with Him. We want to talk to you about that relationship and how to know for sure you're going to heaven when you die, how to know for sure that you have forgiveness, how to know for sure that you're going to be spending eternity in heaven with Jesus. If you'll reach out to us, if you're watching online, at this address on your screen, we would love to hear from you, get with you, pray with you, and talk to you about how to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. If you're here in person this morning, I'm going to be hanging around at the end of the service. We have other folks who can talk to you. Don't leave today wondering whether you're saved, whether you're going to heaven if you die. We can help you with that. And there is an answer. And you can make life's greatest decision right here, right now, this morning. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but you need to be baptized. We need to talk about that. 
Maybe you're saved and baptized, but your membership is somewhere else. You're interested in seeking a, a how to join McDonough Road or more information about this church family. We can help you with that. If you'll reach out to us, let us help you because we're here to help. Father, we give you thanks for the opportunity, Lord, to, to seek first the kingdom, to be reminded strongly by this verse that gives us direction for this year, to seek first the kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that all these things shall be added unto you. Lord, we pray for decisions that need to be made for Christ today. We pray for salvation decisions. We pray, Lord, for other commitments that need to be made that will bring glory to you, fulfillment to us, and your blessing upon our lives. And Lord, we pray for those who need to, to seek membership and, and become an official part of the church family. Plug in and become a part. Lord, we pray for other spiritual decisions as you speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Again, we're here to help. Reach out to us on this address, dchancy at mcdonaldroad.org, and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Now we get to celebrate our giving. You're so faithful to give each week uh, throughout the week, and as we come together on Sunday morning and gather together, we pray a, a word of thanks, and our deacon's going to come and, and, and have this word of thanks with us this morning. Lead us in our prayer. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and show our faith in you through our giving, Lord. And I pray that we take this as an opportunity to not act on worry, but rather act in faith in you, that you will care for us, even if we are willing to give up 10% of our income. God, I pray that you will bless these gifts and the givers. Amen. <laughs> 